listening to the Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Vakula, here to help you travel the world at next to no cost through credit card points, miles, benefits, and rewards. This is episode 7 with special guest Joe Chung, as the Joe flies, who joins me to talk credit cards, deals, miles and points, and traveling as a family. We discuss the many benefits we gain from credit cards and recount our travel experiences. Learn how to get started with travel credit cards, maximize your spend, save money, and make money. Find Joe on the Miles to Memories, Saverosity Observation Deck, and Disney Deciphered Podcasts. But first, listen to him here. On with the show. All right. Thank you for chatting today and coming on the show. Thanks for having me. How did you get started with credit cards and deals? Uh, the short story is, you know, I had a friend, um, they were actually moving, I think it was at their goodbye party, and was bragging about how he had, uh, back in the day, with the British Airways 100,000 point bonus, back before Avios even existed, had flown him and his wife in first class, did everything in first class for their honeymoon, was bragging about that, that kind of planted the seed in me, uh, maybe six months later I applied for my first Chase Sapphire preferred card. Um, and then kind of things went from there. It coincided when I started earning miles and points. Maybe a few months after I started in the game, my wife got pregnant with our first child. And so, you know, I was like, oh, shoot, I got to use these points because who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> um, turns out we didn't stop traveling when the kids came along. But that summer before we had our first kid, we flew to Asia in first class on Lufthansa. Um, via Europe, which was cool, and uh, flew back in business class on Delta and, you know, uh, was hooked from there. Nice. So probably one or two minimum spend requirements, spending, say, 3000 4000 in 90 days on two cards, and that covered the flight for you rather than probably what would have been a $2,000, $3,000 plus uh, bill, especially with first and business class, right? Yeah, well, I mean, back then, I was still like, in the mindset, which uh, some people, you know, still have, um, which is fine. But I used to be in the mindset where I'd be like, oh, I flew this flight for free and it was worth $12,000 because that Lufthansa first class flight, even one way was worth, I think, (laughs) $10,000. I remember looking it up at the time and feeling um, very proud of myself and very amazing. Uh, I don't think of things that way anymore, mainly because I would never spend $10,000 on a round trip flight, let alone a one-way flight, uh, not until I become an independent wealthy or something like that. It was at the time only 140,000 United miles total uh, for the two of us, which was great. And then 100,000 Delta miles uh, on the way back for the business class. And yeah, all told the flights were worth $17,000, but you know, I don't think of it that way. Uh, I just think of it as we saved the $1,500 round trip that we would have paid uh, if we had flown in coach. Right. Definitely something cutting the cost, though. So that's really helpful. And just through reaching sign up bonuses, some everyday spend and maybe some other tactics that you've employed, right? Yeah, I mean, that was a long time ago. You can still make this play, although it's not as lucrative since, for example, Lufthansa First Class costs 110,000 miles these days. But, you know, back then, I want to say it wasn't actually just one sign up bonus each for us. It was two each, and, you know, if you get the Chase Sapphire Preferred and United Mileage Plus Explorer card, uh, you can combine those two sign-up bonuses for, you know, one flight for one person, and then the other person gets, uh, does the same thing and then gets a flight for themselves. I can't remember why I had some Delta Miles kicking around, but of course there's, I'm pretty sure that 
a lot of my Delta miles that I used on that particular trip. And this was, I should say, my daughter's turning seven soon. So um, this was like eight years ago. But I think we had some Delta miles already. Um, but of course, you know, the American Express Delta cards, it's always easy to earn Delta miles. Right. Time, time flies. And that's really nice. Is I think most people, before they learn about credit card reward space, before they're listening to podcasts or really reading anything, they're probably just using one card for all of their purchases, or they're even using cash or debit and getting a very, very low return on their spending. Honestly, it's tough to remember what things used to be like, but I'm pretty sure I probably was just like a one card type of person. I mean, in some ways, I still am a one card type of person when I'm not going for uh, sign up bonuses. So yeah, I think that's just kind of the norm or honestly, it's probably worse than that. The norm is probably a lot of people are in credit card debt, which of course is not ideal. Right, right. And what we're doing is paying our balances off in full. We're not paying interest. We might be paying fees with annual fees, but we're viewing those as really good investments as maybe we'll have to pay the $99, $95 upfront cost for the year, but we're getting far more than that in benefits from the card, from the miles, the points, the sign-up bonuses especially. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people are really hesitant about the annual fees. They don't know, oh, I'm really uncomfortable spending this $100 up front. What what do you say to a lot of people who have that mindset? You know, people are used to what they're used to. And when you get started in a new hobby, if you're going to start, you kind of have to start at your own pace, uh, go at your own pace. So, you know, what I recommend is if you are like afraid of annual fees, just start with one card that has an annual fee that you need to pay and figure out how you can um, really mitigate the cost of that annual fee whether it be by mm -hmm. uh, credits or whatever memberships you might get, you know, depending on the card, obviously they're all different for different cards. Um, and so, you know, start slow. And as you build up, you know, you kind of build your tolerance or uh, skill, depending on your perspective on things, then you can start to see your annual fees as like an investment or, you know, you get a greater return than your annual fee, but a complicated game. So my advice, if you're worried about annual fees, is that's fine. Um, but you know, just try it out. Try something on, and uh, if it works out, if you feel like you're getting good value out of it, then you know maybe you can add another card, another card that has an annual fee. And eventually, you get to this point where you have too many cards with annual fees, and then you need to start thinking about which ones are not worth it anymore. But hopefully, uh, you know, it takes a couple years to get there. Right, and even after the first year of having the card, you can get annual fees waived, retention offers, downgrading cards, product changing, a lot of different routes to go down. And of course, if you decide to cancel the card, you cancel the card, although that might not be the best case in year two. But it, it really depends on the card and your situation. Yeah, I mean, there's so many permutations. Um, you know, it's just a <laughs> super deep rabbit hole. So, you know, it just depends what a uh, rabbit hole you want to go down on this particular night. Yeah, it, it can it can be intimidating for beginners. But yeah, what I usually tell people start small, just start with one card, reach the sign up bonus, then we'll talk later about the next card to sign up for if you're still comfortable doing that. But the value I think is definitely there. I, I sometimes hear from people, oh, that sounds like too much work. That sounds like a lot of hassle to get the benefits. But I view the investment of my time and the fun of this hobby, I think as really nice. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where things have definitely changed for me um, as my family has grown. Uh, we have the soon-to-be seven-year-old, but, you know, we have two others in tow uh, behind her. And I think what has happened is, you know, it's just myself and my wife, uh, you know, we had a lot of time to just sit around and, like, stare at each other. <laughs> and so instead of doing that, we went off and uh, found our own hobbies. And this is one of the hobbies that I found. And I had lots of time to put in that work like you're talking about dig really deep and have fun 
um, doing that. And what's happened actually is I've gotten to the point where now I'm very experienced in the game, but my time has become really restricted because of, you know, taking care of my kids, um, Mm -hmm. spending time with my family, you know, they're only young once. And so I've actually kind of gotten back towards, you know, not all the way towards where I was when I was a beginner, but that thought that you said that a lot of beginners have that this is too complicated and it's not worth my time, it actually creeps up way more now, even though I'm experienced. But I think a lot of it is because I know what is and is not worth my time these days. Um, So, you know, it's funny how things turn um, and how life circumstances dictate how you view a certain hobby or a certain game. Sure. And that mindfulness is really important. And not just in the credit card space, but in life, people just maybe mindlessly scrolling through social media for hours at a time, or just watching chains of YouTube video or binge watching Netflix, right? It's just like, oh, well, maybe there's some room for entertainment, but don't go too much in one direction and neglect other important aspects of life. Yeah, for sure. And with the card hobby, yeah, I think it is is very important to be mindful of my time as I'm driving. I think, okay, is it worth taking this detour to go into the store to buy this thing that's going to grant me all these points? Is it going to work? Is it really worth like spending 30 minutes to make this slight profit when I can spend my time in better ways? And it really doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition, right? I'm not saying, okay, you have to absolutely get 20 cards and keep signing up rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. Maybe that's not for everyone or they have other responsibilities. So there's something for everyone in the hobby, I think. Yeah, I definitely have started employing, uh, I think it's called the rule of two things or the rule of two, you know, when it comes to if I'm like going to go out, say, buy a gift card to either resell or to use in this way or that way. I've started in terms of thinking about when I'm actually leaving the house, uh, you know, I've started really thinking about, okay, I've got to get at least two things done um, to leave the house to kind of be more efficient, alluding to what you're saying about, you know, when you're deciding whether it's worth it or not. Um, and so... I've thought about that, but then also that when I think about like the types of miles and points that I earn, tend these days to look much more towards bank points or transferable currencies uh, like ultimate rewards or membership rewards, just because I know with those types of points, I can use them multiple ways. Whereas if I'm investing in Delta Sky Miles, you know, I'm just stuck using them at Delta. I can use them to fly other carriers, of course, but you know, I don't want to be too restricted. So flexibility is key. Um, you know, I like video games and in video games a lot of times the best items or cards or whatever type of game you play uh, are the ones that have multiple uses and can be used in multiple ways Mm -hmm. and so i try to kind of apply that mentality to miles and points um, just because you know i don't have the time to uh, be messing around with things that are inefficient Right. And one thing I tell people who ask about cards, I'll ask them about their travel goals. What do you plan on doing in the next six months, the next year? And if they're uncertain about that, then yes, those chase ultimate rewards can really be valuable, whether you want to stay at a Hyatt property, transfer your points to Southwest, use a travel portal, you have all those options. And that's, that's really, really nice to have. Yeah, that's a great point And making sure you know, uh, what your travel goals are before you start investing in miles and points because, you know, it's very possible. And luckily, it doesn't happen super often for beginners, but it still happens more than it should. But, you know, you get into a situation where you invest in the wrong currency and you can't use them for the trip you plan to take. So you, know, you kind of, especially, you know, I recommend when beginners start, they just start with like one trip in mind and they earn towards that trip because through that process, mm-hmm. um, you learn a lot of the ins and outs of the game writ large. So, um, you know, I think that's a great point you make there. 
Right. And some destinations that might be good for so many types of people like Las Vegas, so many different ways to get there, all different airline carriers, different places that you can stay, lots of opportunity, and even a Hyatt property in Silverton Village I've been hearing about for only 8,000 Hyatt points. So with getting the Chase Sapphire preferred 60,000 points just from the sign-up bonus, it's a lot of nights and even a lot of Hyatts I've stayed at were only 5,000 points. So tons of value with that. Where's uh, that hotel? I haven't, uh, I'm not sure I've heard of that. Oh, yeah. Silverton Village has a shuttle to the Las Vegas Strip. That's about 10 or 15 minutes that you can book there. And I think that's a really good property for families, too, as there probably won't be a lot of scrutiny on how many people are going inside of the hotel. And uh, this past guest, Darren Remsberg, on the podcast was talking about it, that they were providing a sofa bed as well. Oh, that's uh, pretty good. I've sort of resolved to never take my family to Las Vegas until the kids are <laughs> older. It's just I've walked around Vegas and yeah. I've seen families out with their kids at like midnight, uh, like super young kids. And I'm just like, okay, that's uh, not for me. But uh, when they get older, I will bear that in mind. Although Vegas is one of those places where we have stuffed many adults into many a hotel room uh, without them noticing, you know, and with uh, <laughs> yeah. occup- occupancy li- limits being completely ignored. Yeah, people are uh, talking about Marriott Bonvoy charging extra person fees for some stays. It's very sad to hear. They got yeah, Bonvoy. Well, Bonvoy, yeah. <laughs> it's the usual there. That's That's an example of a destination that I have that a lot of people can really benefit from in Orlando. I was there recently with everybody's favorite Hilton Grand Vacations. So they gave the timeshare presentation. You have the offer, you got the discounted rate. And even if you say no to their offer, it was for me $200 for a five-day stay, I believe it was, and 50,000 Hilton points was the offer that I had. And lots to do there with Disney properties, Blue Man Group, Universal, Swimming, yeah, I mean, you probably know that I'm a huge Disney fan, or most people know yeah, I'm a yeah. huge Disney fan. Uh, interesting you bring up the Hilton Grand Vacations thing. One of my podcast co-hosts, well, I have a couple podcasts, but on the Miles to Memories podcast, Mark Osterman, he's always searching out for those Grand Vacations deals uh, and sitting at those share <laughs> presentations. He think it's worth the two hours. He still hasn't uh, quite convinced me about that. But yeah, I'm in Orlando a lot because of Disney World. Yeah, and you even get a free hummus and some sandwiches as well for the, for the lunch. Well, uh, who can turn that down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the the math on that, it was yeah the two hundred bucks, the Hilton points value at maybe around fifty, so one hundred fifty dollars for the five days. We're looking at thirty dollars a day for the hotel room. So I was pretty happy with that. I, I don't mind listening to the sales presentation as much, although there there were some talk about oh you can't do this with your credit card points and some stories about the representative talking about a family member was about to die and they used the hilton points to go to these different destinations <coughs> so some possible like skeevy tactics that they're using to try to get the sale uh yeah that's uh you know a little bit off-putting but yeah i, I don't i i feel like i could survive one of those presentations but i'm pretty sure my wife would tell me it's not worth it uh, if i made her sit through that so Yeah, so people's tolerance for different things will vary in that in Vegas, I can go with Hilton Grand Vacations. But if I have the option to pay $20-$25 a night for rooms with my Caesars Diamond status, I'll just pay the cash rate and not sit through the presentation. So that could be a good option there. Yeah. Uh, How does that work exactly? 
Yeah, well, with the American Express Aspire card, I matched my Hilton status to Wyndham. Wyndham matched to Caesars. So I got diamond status just through that. And they also gave me a $100 annual celebration dinner once per calendar year. And since I'm diamond, I have room rates at the Caesars properties. So I can log on to my online account and see rates for different properties, different nights, and they send email promo codes. So Bally's in Vegas, I consistently get $20, $25 room rates during the week, and sometimes free nights show on my calendar as well. And one important thing about that is that there are no resort fees for your stays with Caesars Properties. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. So I've been going to Atlantic City and playing there and taking advantage of the status, the free valet, the access to the Diamond Lounge with only $10 in comps. It's pretty good. It synergizes well with poker. I think there are a lot of intersections in the community where people are from a certain background and they find how the Miles and Points hobby helps them or goes with what they're already doing. What what would you say for you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm like one of those weird people who is like pretty into like all the things that most Miles and Points enthusiasts get into. Like I'm pretty into gambling, even though I don't get out to Vegas as much as I'd like to anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Disney World. Uh, you know, I really like going to Europe. So, uh, you know, it's tough to say. I feel like I am uh, someone who enjoys a lot of different things. And miles and points have just uh, really helped to get me there. Right. And for me, reselling, I think, is really, really, really helped with the miles and points hobby, getting cashback redemptions, getting points, getting certain benefits on cards, reaching the high spend goal, just buying things, reselling them, getting the credit card points. That's been really good because without the hobby, a lot of deals really wouldn't be possible or maybe it would be too close to not be worth the effort. Yeah. What kind of stuff do you resell? It's mainly gift cards, some electronic items. So putting those on the credit card, getting the money, paying off the credit card charges. I think that's that's a really good play for a lot of people in this space. And a lot of things, even using credit card to pay rent, to pay taxes, a lot of everyday expenses. Sometimes people new to the hobby, they're worried about the spending goals. Oh, am I really going to be able to spend $4,000 in 90 days? But I think when we really think about it and look at a monthly budget, look at our monthly expenses, that we find that we can really get to those numbers. Maybe the $10,000, $30,000 would be higher goals for most people. But I think the sign-up bonuses around $3,000 to $5,000 in spend are pretty reasonable. Yeah, for sure. And definitely like this time of the year is uh, lots of opportunities to spend if you know anyone who resells anything or resell yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just the average expenses is some people might have two different jobs. They might have a lot of responsibilities with family and they think, oh, I won't have as much time to put into this. But even with those responsibilities, even with a low amount of time to dedicate to this space and to do the research, I think that's everyone, or at least most people can really benefit as long as they have the discipline and a decent level of organization and aptitude for technology and intelligence as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the darker side, as you mentioned earlier, is people getting into debt, into people overspending, people really not keeping track of things, or if they happen to forget payments, and then they're paying fees. So it comes with a certain level of responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I I think this game is not for people who you have to make sure you have the means to pay off your credit card balances in full every month. Otherwise, you know, what you pay in uh, interest is going to far outweigh most of the time, pretty much all the time, uh, any benefits you get from your miles and points. 
Right. As a lot of people, maybe they look for the 0% APR offers, they run up the charges, and then month 12 comes, and then they won't be able to pay it off. That could be a dangerous space to get into. Yeah, definitely agree. Great. And what are some of your favorite cards or the cards that you use the most? Um, So yeah, in general, I am just uh, using whatever cards I am working on a sign-up bonus for. You know, recently, I was working on a Bank of America business cash rewards card, but I'm done with that. And I've kind of, unless some huge sign up bonus comes around here at the end of 2019, I'm done with signing up with cards, but there's a lot of spending to be coming up in the last you know 40 days or so of the year. So I've resolved to uh, put all that spending on my World of Hayek card, mm-hmm. hopefully hit the $15,000 for, um, you know, you get a free night at that point. Um, and so you know, right, that's right. kind of my plan for the rest of uh, 2019. Right. And the World of Hyatt card, I think, is really great. It's what the $95, $99 annual fee, you get the free night certificates. And if you spend 15000 you get another night. And the 1x Hyatt points, the possibility of getting status, a really solid card, I think, from Chase. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah, especially if you can hit those higher volumes for that 15k night. The math on that can work out pretty well. Where have you used the free night certificates in the past for Hyatt stays? Uh, you know, I just kind of use them here and there for like one-off stays, whether it be in Orlando or, you know, if we are transiting, like, uh, we went through Detroit, uh, on our way to uh, Hawaii over the summer. So I used a free night there. So, you know, that kind of thing. That's great. And with all the different currencies, all the different points, it's pretty easy. I would think to find hotels, to find airfare to most places that we're going where we don't have to resign to paying a high cash rate. Right. Yeah. I feel like for hotels, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of value to be had, especially in the Hyatt program. Right. And with a family, even having kids, I think that's a really valuable thing as some families might say, oh, well, we can't afford this travel. We can't afford the trip. But with miles and points, it seems really, really doable. It always feels better to pay with points than to pay with cash. I am not organized enough to do all the math to make sure that those points are less than the cash that I would have paid. Although sometimes hotels do end up being pretty cheap and maybe I will pay cash for those. So yeah, I do think, you know, miles and points just kind of enable you to um, take the trips you want to take. Yeah. And especially those that just want to be in a ritzier hotel or a luxury flight, especially those first class business class and using free night certificates for some more expensive properties, particularly the Hilton free night certificates. Hilton free night certificates, I actually used those to great effect this year. Um, my wife and I stayed in uh, Tokyo at the Hilton Tokyo Odaiba, and we used oh, two nice. of our certificates there. Um, and so, you know, that was a great use of those. Right. And the customer service for me was really, really helpful. As I called in, I didn't even have to find the confirmation number, although I had it. I was ready to give it to the rep. But they said, oh, we see your account right here, and we see that the certificate's on file. And I... Asked them if I would be able to add a free night certificate with mine. And they said, fine. So I had my friend on the phone. She spoke with them for a few seconds and they combined both reservations or both tickets into one reservation. You know, I don't like calling in. I actually don't know if I've interacted with Hilton, with Hyatt uh, and Delta and actually JetBlue as well. Like a lot of these programs, I found that DMing them on Twitter is the best way to get things done, especially because, like I said, I don't like talking to humans. It's a good option, multiple ways to do it. It was pretty painless over the phone, which was really nice. That was helpful. So I'm planning on going to Hawaii 
early next year in February and talk to me about a year, a year and a half ago, it'd be more like, oh, that's probably too expensive. That's out of the range for now. But the hobby has really transformed things where now I'm traveling almost every month. I'm going weekly to Atlantic City, some Vegas trips coming up, plan on going to also New Orleans for meetup coming up. So possibly see you and many others listening there. <laughs> uh, yeah, the running joke is that I'm not going to be there, but I think it's going to be a So where are you going to stay in Hawaii? Uh, we were just there. We actually stayed uh, at the Hilton Hawaiian Village Waikiki there. Oh, yeah, that's that's the same property. I, I was looking for the Grand Walea Resort, but they said there wasn't availability for that. And that's one of the one of the very few times I ran into, oh, we don't have the availability for that. But the Waikiki Village seems to be a solid property, too. And I'll still get the water slides that I wanted to see at the other property, too. Yeah, those Hawaiian resorts, you know, it's a lot about the water slide, about the pools and the water features. Uh, I did really enjoy that at the Hilton Hawaiian Village Waikiki. So uh, you should be pretty happy there. Yeah, and especially if they allow you to use the resort credit, if that property qualifies as resort, that'll be, what, a $250 rebate there. Or otherwise, two fifty worth of food and drink, and the diamond status, giving free breakfast for me and a guest. I think the value from that Aspire card is just tremendous. I I plan on paying that annual fee very happily. Yeah, I had already used my resort credit, but I'm pretty sure that a friend of mine he has the Hilton Aspire as well, and I think that the resort credit qualified uh, at that hotel, so I nice. think uh, it should be okay. Yeah, so enhancing experiences that we're having through travel. It's it's really cool. Even even when I book flights, I want to have layovers <laughs> to just take a break from flying and hop in the Delta Sky Club or the Centurion Lounge, Priority Pass lounges, many of those things, rather than just kind of being miserable in the airport and settling for the uh, probably low-quality food in the airport. The taste of free really appeals to me. Yeah, uh, on your way back, the Honolulu airport, their lounges are actually, you have to go down on the down a level and then there's like a little park there. It was like blazing hot when I was there and I went to go look <laughs> at the lounge and you have to kind of either take the elevator or walk down some stairs. And I ended up not dragging the whole family down there because it was like, would have been a big to do to get down there. However, I think it was a priority pass lounge that I went in to check. There might be two that you can use uh, with Priority Pass. Anyway, one of them had like the best AC. So I do recommend that you go down to that lounge area in oh, nice. and uh, check it out. Um, <laughs> maybe the lounge might not have even been all that, but I just stood in there for like five minutes enjoying the AC. I guess you're going in February, so it won't be as bad. But in July, it was a real lifesaver. Oh, good. That's, that's a good tip. We'll be looking for that. As uh, I, I've noticed internationally, it's easier to find the lounges. I just see signs in airport when I travel internationally that would show where the lounges are. But otherwise, it's like a game, especially Newark Airport. The lounge is outside of security. That's the only time I've seen that. Yeah, I mean, let's not talk about Newark Airport. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the worst. The, the sky bus trying to get around uh, <laughs> a little bit of little bit of hassle there. But some of the benefits that we have with like T- TSA pre the global entry just, I think, make the travel experience better. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It, it takes a lot to make the Newark travel experience better. <laughs> uh, not as bad as JFK, though. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a race to the bottom. Uh, good line, good line, yeah. <laughs> what are some other benefits that you've experienced from your credit cards? So there's the Priority Pass Lounge benefit that comes with a lot of the premium cards. Um, I just canceled my uh, City National Bank Crystal Visa Infinite card, which uh-huh. um, had 
a great priority pass because you could take in unlimited guests to those lounges. Um, so now I'll be using my City Prestige priority pass card because you're supposed to only have two guests, but you can bring in your entire immediate family, which all the oh, other nice. credit cards um, don't have. And then besides that, you know, I generally use the benefits that come with the various cards, like the Hilton Aspire that we already discussed. It comes with diamond status for Hilton, which can be uh, very useful, um, and that's always much appreciated. And then, yeah, the uh, premium American Express cards, like the platinum and the gold card, they come with like travel credits or like Uber credits, you know, Grubhub credits. So, you know, I'll, I'll use those. Uh, I do like my Amex Gold quite a bit because of the Forex that you get uh, when spending at grocery cards. Um, although, you know, since Amex has been getting so uh, finicky, finicky lately, I've been uh, considering maybe easing off the gas pedal uh, on Amex at grocery, but um, probably will not. Because, uh, you know, it's only 25000 a year, so that's a yeah. pretty high number. Yeah, and even for people who aren't doing high volume, I was explaining to someone the other day, well, look, you can even buy gift cards for your own use at a grocery store. If you have a card with the grocery category, why not get the four times points on the gold card rather than just going to the restaurant and not getting as much of a multiplier or a bonus or buying a Home Depot gift card at a grocery store and then going to Home Depot and using that and then also getting as my local grocery chain giant gives six times points on all gift cards at this time in recording in November of 2019. Yeah, uh, those are great plays. Uh, you know, I like uh, doing that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, a lot of creative ways to stack deals and a lot of ways to save money that I found in the credit card space, not just to generate the spend or generate the points on the cards, but rather using this benefit with another one, coupling a deal with some other benefit money to be saved as I really haven't paid full price for gas in a very long time. And most of the time I fill up, it's free grocery, extreme grocery discounts as well with holiday reward programs, and now the ability to transfer the gas points to groceries. It's really, really makes a difference, I think, in the monthly spend. Yeah. So which um, grocery chains have you been moving those gas points to groceries for? And uh, I haven't haven't messed around with it myself. So uh, I'd love to hear the process. Yeah. Last year at Weiss supermarket chain in northeastern Pennsylvania area, they were giving one point on all gift card purchases. So buying some prepaid cards there were giving points that can be redeemed for holiday rewards. So I took my mother to a grocery store and we filled up a cart of groceries. We got like $250 worth of groceries and walked out of the store only ending up spending about 10 or $15. And uh, we were both very happy with that haul. That was, uh, that was an easy one, too. It's around the holiday time. They have, oh, use 400 points to get a tofurkey, another 400 points to get a vegan ham, get some lasagna. And it was like supermarket sweep, as they were joking on the Myelonomics podcast recently. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. So there, there's some charitable aspects of this, too, whereas we get this free stuff and give it away to family members, friends, other people, share information. And I find that to be really valuable. There's a really good network of people through different sites, different discussion groups, and websites in the community. So it's a lot of good that's happening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the internet is a great thing. And being able to build a community and talk with people who are kind of doing the same experiments that you're doing is, uh, you know, just a great way to get your feet wet in the game. 
and even starting small, not having to make those huge purchases at first, but just starting something and saying, hey, just go to the store, buy one card. Like right now, it's even a simple promotion of buy a $50 Panera Bread gift card, get a $10 bonus card for free. So I said to a friend, well, go and try that. Use your bonus card at Giant, get the six times points on the happy gift card, take the happy gift card to Panera, buy a gift card with that, and you get the gas points in addition or the grocery points in addition rather than just using a credit card at Panera. Simple things like that. Yeah, I feel like sometimes people don't want to be bothered with stuff like that. But I think if you want to start in this game, you know, bothering yourself with stuff like that kind of gets you used to moving up to the bigger thing. Right, right. Very good. And what led you to be public and talk about a lot of the credit card space and deals? Blog at com, and I have a Miles and Points mm-hmm. podcast, SaveRossiObservationDeck.com. And, you know, those kind of just started as creative outlets. Um, the blog, I just... Honestly, it just started as like a way for me to kind of document my family's travels um, and as the family grew, uh, the different travels we did. So, you know, I like to look back on the places that we've been. I try to, as, you know, I've become more family travel focused, have tips for family travelers uh, along the way. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll go through fits and spurts. The podcast, love podcasts for a long time. Uh, we're coming up on five years uh, in January. Nice. And I think uh, I just thought at the time you know only really the only kind of and it's not even totally miles and points it's a little bit more av geek podcast that existed was dots lines and destinations and i was like and those guys are great but i was like oh i'd love to chat with some people and so i put some feelers out and that's how uh, trevor and i found each other and joe cortez our uh, original uh, third chair um, which has now become like a rotating chair as we kind of interview people in the community. So, um, you know, that comes out every other week and uh, we just like uh, talking to different people in the space. And yeah, it's just kind of a chance to talk miles and points. You know, we're not really like the Myonomics guys. You know, they kind of dig into the nitty gritty of how to earn the most miles and how to redeem the miles, which is great. For me, at least on the observation deck, I really just appreciate listening to people's stories, where they came from, where they have visited where they have traveled and you know we just throw some miles and points tips uh they always come up because we're talking to travel hackers all the time (laughs) yeah good yeah people from all different places in the country overseas all different kinds of backgrounds it's a really accessible hobby that people can get in i think that's the beauty of it it's like oh you have to have all this money in investment accounts or you have these very specific requirements to get into cards and some some cards okay yeah you'll need a higher income or you'll need a higher credit score but it's it's very accessible for most i think yeah it's definitely something that anyone who is good enough with their money to pay off their credit card balances on time uh should consider right and even great victory in the smaller things or one sign up bonus or one deal yeah i mean you know i come from a background where i did not want to be in debt for things that are like not my house or you know maybe sometimes a car that meant that i was always paying off my credit card balances in full and if you are doing that then why not if you're doing that and you earn the 1x cash back or whatever your card gives you why not earn 10 13 15x by getting a sign up bonus mm-hmm. every once in a while 
Right. And that's the simple math problem of, okay, well, if I need to spend 3000 to get $700 worth of value, for example, you're getting that huge bang for your buck in the signup bonus. So that's what leads us to want to get multiple cards and keep doing that process to get the biggest return on our spend. Because if something is only going to give us like a margin of 1% and we're having to put all this time in it to do it, that's probably not going to be worth it at all. But with the bigger bang for our buck, some of the spending categories, some of the benefits, I, I think that's very much worth it. And even some smaller things people can do, like opening checking accounts at banks and getting bonuses of $200, $300 or more. What, it takes maybe 30 minutes to go and branch, open up the open the accounts, and then just keep up with linking the direct deposit and making the monthly transactions. And I think that's very easy money right there, too. Right. When we're talking about these big multipliers, you know, that's just the efficiency that uh, we were talking about earlier. It's just about kind of getting the most bang for your buck getting the most uh, return on your time uh, and investment. Right. And even those banking relationships can lead to, of course, credit cards and other products and different offers, especially with Wells Fargo. I've noticed that recently with their business platinum card. That's one that I really like and tell a lot of people about. Whereas if you get the business checking account, I've seen many people just, including myself, automatically get a pre-approved in-branch offer for their business card, 50,000 point signup bonus, $1,000 bonus points every month you spend 1,000, no annual fee, 0% intro APR, and not even a hard inquiry, not even appearing on your personal credit report. So just by getting that checking account and hopefully a bonus associated with it, getting the credit card, which I valued at like eight $900 of free money just in the first year, the first few months even. I definitely leave money on the table for bank accounts just because I don't want to have too many floating around. Um, I'm always like afraid I'm going to forget about them. But for people who are a little bit more organized than me, uh, that's like a great way to get some uh, easy returns. Some other ideas that you have for people starting out, some things that they can target and do and get some pretty easy wins early on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of finding good sign-up bonuses for cards that are going to help you to get to the destination that you want to go you know i think that's kind of where i always recommend people start like i said before um that kind of just gets used gets you used to the procedure gets you used to how things work and then you can uh, branch out from there you know during the holiday season for those who are like a little bit more intermediate or advanced um, there are a lot of deals where you can uh, you know buy gift cards and there's like the gift card resellers go crazy at this time of year. And so, you know, you can get connected with, you know, there are a lot of different ones out there um, and you can ask around to see who's buying. Like some of them are personal, some of them are groups. You know, I think that's also an easy way to, you know, learn to ramp up your spend if you are, you know, kind of past that initial point where you're just getting into the game and more of an intermediate player. Great. And even for some intro people, especially people associated with businesses, I was talking to someone today who's involved with real estate. And if people just generally have these expenses, then you already have the spend that you're putting in to get these sign-up bonuses on these cards. And if you're just using the same old, same old card and getting that 1%, that's just a significant loss, I think, especially if businesses are able to write off annual fees. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we have a two big trips planned uh one is a disney cruise that's going out of miami uh that's in april but then our like really big trip is uh we're we've got three weeks 
slotted to be in Asia. We're flying um, out to Japan. Going to spend some time there, then um, swing by Taiwan and Hong Kong to see relatives uh, on the way back. And so pretty excited about that, Um, you know, flying in business class both ways. So uh, it should be pretty awesome. So looking forward to 2020. The kids are getting older. I do have to pay for that fifth ticket now that my youngest daughter is uh, above the age of two, but uh, hopefully <laughs> no lap infant, <laughs> no lap infant. Yeah. But hopefully it'll be uh, worth it in the long run because uh, eventually uh, we will not have to change her diapers anymore. So, you know, that's the goal. That's the dream. <laughs> yep. And what did the funding look like for that? What kind of points or miles did you use for that? So on the outbound, it was 300,000 AA miles uh, that we used to book Japan Airlines to get to Japan. On the return, I had to do a mixed itinerary. I booked four tickets uh, with Alaska Airlines. Uh, So that was flying Cathay Pacific back from Hong Kong to Boston. That was uh, 50,000 miles per ticket. So that was 200,000 Alaska miles total. And then for the last ticket, um, I actually had to, quote unquote, well, I did because there wasn't (laughs) <laughs> class seats, but I had to book a first class seat um, and I didn't have any Alaska miles left. So I booked that with AA 110,000 miles. Although my goal is to downgrade that, even though that's going to cost me $150 to business class, um, which will save me the 40,000 miles. Not because I don't want to fly in first class, but because um, it would uh, be uh, too much of a hunger game situation to decide who stays in business class with the three kids and who gets to fly all the way up front. <laughs> Not flipping a coin on that one. Yeah, definitely not flipping a coin. Or maybe I'll flip a two-face type coin. <laughs> roll roll 20-sided die. <laughs> what does the planning look like for those trips? How do you figure out, okay, I'm going to use these points to fly with this carrier. I'm going to not take a round trip. I'm just going to take a one-way. How does that all work out for you? Yeah, so uh, when you are booking five seats, it becomes really hard to do round trips because you kind of have to combine... Um, carriers, at least the carriers that you book with. I knew that Alaska and American Airlines miles were the best to get to Asia. And like I said, you always plan for the trips that you have coming up. And I knew these trips were coming up. So, you know, for the last year before I actually booked, I was just building up balances in both those accounts and kind of praying for no devaluation. Um, And so through some AA cards, uh, through some spending, Alaska miles, I've been building up. I'd actually been building up Alaska miles for like four years. You used to be able to, you used to be able to churn Bank of America, Alaska cards. You can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. But um, so, you know, I had built up quite a hefty balance in Alaska 200,000 miles, as I said. Um, and so, nice. you know, I just had never used them. So I was like, I better use them now because uh, 50,000 miles for a business class ticket to Asia is not going to last forever. So, yeah, that's what I did. And, uh, you know, after that, you know, planning for the next one, I don't know uh, what's going to be next. We'll probably go back to Asia in 2022. So it's time to just get back to the grind and start building up AA and Alaska miles again. That should be enough time to get enough. Good. And the Marriott Bonvoy points also transferring to Alaska too, as I signed up for the Bonvoy card with an increased offer and was able to transfer miles out from there rather than staying at the Marriott properties. Yeah. I haven't stayed at a Marriott property in a long time, but uh, their points are still useful for that exact case. Good. All right. Would you like to tell listeners where they can find you online? Feel free to plug anything that you would like. Sure. You can find me writing at asajoeflies.com. Um, you can find me podcasting about miles and points at the Saberosity Observation Deck. Uh, you can search for us on Apple Podcasts or find us at Saberosity Observation Deck. You can find the Miles and Memories podcast at mtmpodcast.com 
um, or you can just go to Miles to Memories website and search uh, podcast. And if you are into Disney, this is not Miles and Points related at all, just general Disney planning. Uh, I run or I host a third podcast called Disney Deciphered, and we just talk about it's kind of for people who are beginners going to Disney. There's just like a lot of episodes helping you to plan your vacation, especially for people who haven't been there in a long time. All right, very good. And miles and points definitely helping with that, as we've talked about earlier, for accommodations and airfare. So that's... Yeah, they help me, but um, we don't talk about it a lot on the show because uh, that's not our audience. All right. Thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Great. Yeah, quick 50 minutes there, as I'm seeing on my end. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more content. Visit my website at hurdygurdytravelpodcast.com, where you can read episode transcripts, Complete a free credit card questionnaire to receive tailored recommendations, view helpful resources, listen to past episodes, and contact me. Support my work through Patreon, PayPal, the Cash App, and referral links by visiting the Donate tab on my website. Subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, follow on Twitter, and follow on Instagram, searching for me, Justin Vakula, and Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. Visit my other podcast at StoicSolutionsPodcast.com, where you can find practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient philosophers of Greece and Rome. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.